HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2017. We've got a special special show tonight. We were talking about the New York City Brewers Guild and how it's evolved and kind of the state of New York City uh, brewing. We've got some great guests. Thanks to our sponsors, Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. All right, so let's go around the room. We've got some good buddies. Uh, one of the deans of beer in New York City, Mr. Kyle himself. How you doing, Jimmy? Kyle Hurst, uh, Big Alice Brewing Company. And since we're talking about the guild tonight, I'm also uh, vice president of the, uh, the New York City Brewers Guild. It's great to have you on, man. We've done some sh- um, at least five or six shows together. It's been a few. Yeah, it's, it's always good to be back, though. Thank you. And he's sitting in the dean's seat today. <laughs> and let's go around with all, all our brewery guests. Uh, hey, uh, my name is Gabe Barry. I'm the beer education and community ambassador for Brooklyn Brewery. Um, also showcasing my New York City Brewers Guild hat. Uh, I am now serving as the marketing communications chair for the guild. But back in the day when the guild first started, I used to stand behind the your bar, Jimmy, and support guild events from from those days. So I've no, been I'm, on all sides. I'm I'm always very proud of the work that you do, Gabe. I learned it from you, Jimmy. Oh, buddy. <laughs> hey, Katie Lynch here, also from Brooklyn Brewery. I get to work in marketing at the brewery, which I love, with Miss Gabe, and I'm also on the board of the New York City Brewers Guild. That's great. And I think that I've met you at every beer event in New York for the last five years, right? <laughs> I guess I get around then. Yeah. 
How's it going? I'm Basil Lee from Finback Brewery, um, and I'm also on the, well, I guess I'm the president of the New York City Brewers Guild. You are the yes, president, are. Basil. Don't, don't guess. You are. Well, this, this is a special group. You know, the New York City Brewing has come so far. Just 10 years ago, there were four breweries in, in New York City. And, uh, you know, how many are there now? I think we're over 30, 32, it, Yeah, well, there, I, it's more than 30 because there are 30 active or soon to be active tasting rooms um, in the New York City area right now. So it's it's big. It's it's getting there. Much more than 10 back in the day. Yeah. And I just love you guys. And when did the Brewers Guild start? So the Brewers Guild, Josh, Josh, good old Josh Schaefner sold Beer Week um, just after 2011. Um, Beer Week took a, a year off to kind of regroup. And uh, the Guild... Uh, was formed during those years and so we i guess it was i guess it would have been 20 february 2013 would have been that year where we uh we, we started uh bringing back gear week and yeah. or beer week and getting a little bit more excited well let's cheers to you guys so so one reason i wanted to have the show is that there are so many brewers now and i've heard a lot of like uh, the anecdotes and stories about the, about the brewers guild brett from keg and lantern we're hanging out uh, last month at uh, Strong Rope, and he said, you know, there's a lot of cool things happening at the Brewers Guild meeting. So that's really where we want to go with this, is now you guys are, are a group representing New York City Brewing. And, um, you know, tell us what it's like. So, I mean, Basil, as, as president, you know, you, 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 let's tell us your role and uh, how you see the Guild and the um, community that it's forming and how that matters to, you know, brewing. Yeah, I think... Um I think the guild's changed a lot. I think part of it is that the industry's changed a lot. I think uh, we've we've kind of reached a critical mass um, and some momentum in terms of having more members, more breweries in the city, uh, a wider range of, of, of breweries in the city. Um, I think that the, the beer market um, is kind of really maturing and the brewing market or the brewing scene is really maturing. And so I think the guild makes a lot of sense. You know, our mission has always been to, to educate um, in craft beer and to kind of promote craft beer. Uh, definitely a focus in, in in organizing New York City Craft Beer Week, but I think now as we we have more members, um, you know our, our our goals are expanding, and we're really trying to create a community um, of of brewers and kind of addressing both the needs of of consumers in terms of uh, uh, preaching the stories about craft beer, as well as the brewing industry in terms of uh, sharing resources and and working together to 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 make the industry better. Yeah, I, I think uh, to expand on, on what Basil said too is there's there's been a fundamental shift. You know, like Gabe said, it was five or six years ago when when this uh, and I think there were some you know early uh, you know earlier versions of the guild that weren't maybe quite as, as you can tell your formal. story, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a whole bunch of them, but um, I, I guess the, the the point I was I was making is you know five years ago. Um, you know, Big Ellis was founded in, in 2011. We didn't brew our first beer until uh, 2013. But at that time, like we were fighting in New York City, you know, for for bars to carry craft. You know, we could name you know all of the the you know bars in the city on on one hand. Uh, you know, Jimmy's, of course, being one of them that that carried craft beer or prominently carried craft beer anyway. And and now we're we're fighting to carry local. You know, so there's like like we said, thirty something of us locally, uh, over three hundred in the state. You know, so so New York City, New York State. You know, we've got a lot of you know kind of really uber local stuff, uh, where you know that's kind of the fight now and and, and the shift from those four breweries or you know whatever it was uh, you know just a few years ago to the thirty of us where we're, we're so really trying to get. How does it work? I mean, more. you're 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 getting. You know, let's talk about the retail market. You're getting handles and and, and tap rooms and bars. You guys are coming together as a guild and having meetings and work, trying to work together. Then at the same time, you're competing for, for lines and bars. You know, how do you guys handle that? Um, I, I think um, to, to speak on behalf of one of the, as Katie and I would call ourselves, bigger kids in the sandbox um, at, <laughs> so in terms of some of the breweries that participate in guild stuff, I think that a lot of, we, we try to really put away our sales hats um, when, we're, when we're all in those rooms. And I think that, um, you know, just echoing a lot of what has been said so far, um, if you look at the economy collapsing in 2008, propelling this entire kind of leap and bound and snowball of not only in New York City, not only in New York State, but domestically, the beer market as a whole has drastically changed. And very quickly, we've gone back to this uh, kind of um, not only regional as like cool and exclusive, but we've gone back to the old school, like pre-prohibition, pre-industrial revolution idea of what pre-refrigeration. the... Pre-refrigeration. <laughs> pre-refrigeration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And going back to the beer 
the brewery as a sense of community. And uh, I think that in, in terms of a lot of what we do at New York City Brewers Guild meetings, a lot of what we do as a group of people is try to remind ourselves that we're ultimately all doing very similar things and that we all together make each other stronger. In order to make an egg sandwich, you got to break some eggs. Um, and we are breaking all the eggs and continuing and to make the to, industry stronger. Somebody has to raise the chickens. <laughs> well, you know, that's what we got the farmers for. Jason from Strong Rope <laughs> is taking care of that, I think. But <laughs> we, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we often describe it uh, as, you know, because, you know, Long Island City, of course, uh, is, you know, uh, one of the hubs within the city where we've got Five, technically six breweries, five tap rooms in, in our neighborhood alone, and uh, I, I often describe it as we're competing with each other, not mm. against each other, and, and that's uh, you know probably you know the best way to kind of phrase how we all work together. And, and so, number one, you guys, you'd like to see more of local breweries represented in bars and, and tap rooms. Well, I think I mean the competition issue. I think actually, which is interesting, you know, that I think that's a great statement, Kyle, which is to say that. I think competition actually makes us all better. I think it pushes everyone. I think the New York City brewing scene really kind of developed pretty quickly and became mature really quickly. I mean, and we're talking about a few years, three to four years, um, where I think it's caught up with a lot of other other brewing scenes. And I think some of that friendly competition kind of um, pushes all us to, to strive to make the best beer we can possibly make, to make the most creative beers we can possibly make. And I think the other thing is kind of, um, you know, that one of the missions of the Guild is to kind of build New York City as a a, a, a kind of... Um, marquee place for beer. You know, I think New York City has, you're always competing with a lot of different interests, you know, wine, cocktail, other things to do. Um, and it hasn't been as much of a beer town as, as other other places, but I think all the, all the uh, kind of elements are in place. And I think part of the mission of the Guild is to work together, you know, to do that, you know, with Beer Week, with the events that we put on as a community, where I think that people will, will travel to New York to do collaborations, will, will want to come here to drink our beer. So I think that's kind of one of the... Uh, missions that we were, we're working on together as well. So let's talk about what we're drinking. So we're drinking a Finback, and it's really good. The nose was, like, floral, fruity. <laughs> so, we, I mean, we always like to kind of make fun beers. We like to kind of uh, uh, tackle our, our what we brew creatively. This is um, a coconut and coffee IPA, so kind of bringing a little bit kind of what seems like might be might be things that don't work well together in terms of flavors, but but end up, I think, do, working well. Um, so a little bit, you know, obviously coffee and, and, and tropical notes from the hops and the coconut kind of creates a, a kind of fun, funky little beer. That's pretty good, right? What do you think, Kyle, Gabe? Uh, I think it's great. <laughs> I love it. You know, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not a coconut guy, so there's, you know... Like coconut and blueberry are two things that I just you know and, and celery, which nobody really does beer. So, <laughs> but coconut and blueberry are kind of two things that I, I really just stay away from personally. For I, if we had another show, I'd tell you all the stories. But um, we had a, is, a beer from Brazil that had celery in it. <laughs> really, I, don't know. I would try it, but uh, I don't cashews, know, like, oh, cashews. Sorry, but uh, I guess getting back to the beer, I think it's excellent. I think it does you know kind of you know bring all of those things kind of together in a way that you wouldn't expect to work. Yet it does. <laughs> Cheers, man. This is a moment of silence. It Cheers. is a good beer. And that's one thing that I'm, I'm really proud of you guys, you know, going back to some of the roots of, of your brewery. Remember when you guys opened? Um, I think you let me come out and I had my barbecue rig with you guys. Yeah. But <laughs> you've come great. a long way. Now you, you have cans and, and you really recognize as, as one, of the, one of the top breweries in, in the city, in the region. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a great three years. I think we've, um, we've grown with the kind of city and we've grown with uh, the industry here so we we're in a 13,000 square foot space in Queens and it started out really empty and we're slowly filling it up we got a couple new tanks a, a few months ago got a canning line and so just um really just trying to grow along with with the city and all of our uh, other breweries here but you're a good example of like you know, when you guys started, you found you were out in Glendale, Queens. We no one went it's to Glendale. It's really Queens. far, Basil. Really <laughs> it's far. Really, it's not that bad. <laughs> but you, you were like, it was like Gun Hill was up. You know, you're like half a mile from the subway or more. Gun Hill did the same. You know, single cut in Astoria. You guys opened kind of around the same time, and you found that as your, you know, yeah. I mean, I think your vibe. I think um, you know, we're we're pretty much Glendale, which is like the western, I think, western side of Ridgewood. It used to be part of Ridgewood. So it's all kind of uh, just, you know, not not that far, but it does, uh, does is out there. But people are kind of moving closer and closer out there. We've got a couple of breweries near us. Bridge and Tunnel is there. Um, and so I think I think the city is kind of moving that that direction. Um, and we kind of made a decision to have to have space. You know, we you know, obviously budget was an was an issue and then getting yeah, a large right. space. 
Um, and so we've, you know, we, we benefit from that, but definitely it's a, it's a trek. You have to make an effort. And I, I think uh, hopefully people uh, enjoy themselves when they come out and make a day of it. All right, man. Hey, this coconut coffee IPA is doing wonders to my palate. I'm liking it. So I need more. But we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly L. Knife & Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Did you know that it's Giving Tuesday? Hashtag Giving Tuesday. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and uh, get, I think the Gates Foundation, Bill Gates, has given everyone an extra dollar doubling or something. But do it Giving Tuesday if you have, you need to get a tax write-off, tax deduction. It's time of year to do it. And, you know, what's so cool about this show is I looked at the notes today and I, I knew that Basil Lee was coming on, president of uh, the New York City Brewers Guild, and I heard he got Kyle from Big House was coming, vice president. But when I saw that that Gabe Barry was coming on, my heart went up because yes, you know she's someone that I know well. You know, we first met. Used to work at, for Empire Brewing from Upstate. You know, just tell us your backstory because your your story is great. You you, you right. ran things up there. You were selling yeah. beer down here. So it's funny when I when I talk about um, my time working for Empire, I, uh, I'm working on it. But I always say a little seven barrel brew pub. Because uh, that's what Empire was when I managed Empire's Brew Pub. Seven Barrel Brew Pub. David had worked... Uh, Up the, in Syracuse, New yep, York, right? Syracuse, New York. The owner of the Brew Pub did a lot of work um, with the New York State Brewers Association at that time, um, which really positioned me to have a unique perspective of getting to know what was happening in the state of New York um, from 2008 till 2011. Being really there, doing a lot of work with... Uh, Paul, Paul Leone came on a little bit later down the line, uh, but that was really awesome. And uh, David ended up Moving me down, the owner of Empire moved me down to the city uh, to manage their brand after they started contract brewing with Greenpoint Beer Works. And then I got lucky, and you worked at Jimmy's Number Forty Three. I, I I love Empire. I love I love sales. I understand that beer has to be sold. I do understand that. Uh, but man, that was just not for me. Uh, and Jimmy, I, I remember the first time I met you. I was still working for them, and I I uh, it, it takes one to know one. And I saw you, and I was like Jimmy Carbone. If something goes goes south, I'm gonna call Jimmy and just see how this goes. <laughs> and then so. we did events. And next, oh, thank you. <laughs> and next thing you know, you were working at Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, uh, I remember the kind of starting at Brooklyn, and um, I mean, working with Garrett Oliver and Steve Hindy is is an amazing, incredible experience. Um, but I think another thing that uh, maybe is a little bit less known necessarily uh, about Brooklyn. Um, is that it's actually run day to day by majority of an incredibly amazing, strong team of women. Um, one of them is sitting next to me, Miss Katie Lynch. Hi, Katie. Hey there. Um, who has done an amazing job of really building her position at the Brooklyn Brewery. Um, and now I have the fun, fun pleasure of getting to really travel around the world and talk about beer. Not only just Brooklyn Brewery beer, but also beer in general. Um, my full title is as Beer Education and Community Ambassador empowers me to create original programming based around educational styles that are needed as a regional specific level, but then also first and foremost serving as a non-sales perspective in the industry. Um, 
as Basil was saying, as Kyle was saying, as we've all been talking about, we're all in this together. You know, you get, we we gotta support people what can we're relate doing to here. you. Yeah, you're smart. Uh, well, and and then and then, no, just <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's really you know that's I think that. Uh, uh, a 29 year old brand like Brooklyn, um, we you know there's things that are different about our brand than than to Finback than to Big Alice, um, and one of those things is we have the bandwidth to have a program like mine, and I feel blessed and honored. Well, you know what's cool is that that I remember you know what was it? Whenever the Brewers Guild was just starting and taking over the, the Beer Week, it was actually Ben and Steve Hindy at Broken Brewery who seemed to be the yep. masterminds, and it seemed to be that they were the the one brewery that was big enough. Kind of have the glue to keep to keep it going. I remember meeting with them, and yeah. it's so great to see that you guys are still involved because you know you do guys do have an international presence, and I just think it's great that that you guys Brooklyn Brewery is also part of the Brewers Guild, and you're supporting all the other you know real small. And just in case Steve or anybody else over there is listening, um, you know on behalf of the the guild, I, I want to thank Brooklyn Brewery for their support. Uh, you know they they give us Gabe and and Katie and and Ben and a whole host of. Uh, you know, their staff that really helps kind of support. And, they're great. and then Katie uh, Quick, so you were, we first met, what, you were running the tasting room at Brooklyn Brewery? You know what? So I've had a bunch of different roles at Brooklyn Brewery. I actually like to say that I fell backwards into beer because I didn't see it coming at all. Um, I'm now our field marketing director, but I actually started as an intern um, <laughs> and worked my way up. My first job full-time at the brewery was uh, serving as Interns Steve. get jobs. Interns get jobs. It is crazy. Every once in a while, interns, it does actually happen. If work you work really hard work. and Get learn, off your ass. Get out of the house. And learn to make coffee. That is the secret ingredient. <laughs> and uh, then you have a thing about babysitting for people's children, Oh, yeah. Too. You got to yeah. do the babysitting. That's a you different do, show. <laughs> lesson learned, Yikes. do everything, and they will let you become field marketing director. But my first full-time job was actually being uh, Steve and Garrett's assistant, and I couldn't imagine a better way to start. Wow. That's awesome. Well, welcome. And then, okay, we're trying to get into some deeper issues, but, you know, the Guild, what it does for you guys. I mean, it's cool. This fabric of over 30 breweries now, and and we know that one of the biggest issues was was the state changing the laws so that pretty much all of you you guys could open a tasting room in New York. I mean, how big is that for New York City Brewing? Oh, that was, um, I think... For New York City Brewing, for brewing in general, I think that, um, you know, people people think of there, there are a lot of small craft breweries, but people think of, uh, of, of, of them sometimes as these, you know, big unknown businesses or these kind of anonymous businesses. But really, many and most of them are run by, you know, regular people, small, small teams, you know, working their butts off to try to make uh, the best beer they can possibly make. Um, and I think tap rooms are really what what kind of has been able to 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 drive and support this. You know, being able to connect with your customers in in a super direct way, but also, you know, being able to run a business where you're not on on completely razor thin margins that you can you can kind of sell uh, at, at at a retail level um, really helps. And it's the only way I think for us for sure it's the only way you know we were able to 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 be successful. And I think the older model of just you know, selling lots of beer over a wide territory is um, is is not necessarily the the model we strive for. I mean, may or... I ask you, like like Kyle and 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 Basil, how how many uh, barrels of beer do you sell? Like, imagine you're in the old model, where you're just selling wholesale. How how many barrels of beer are you producing without without the tap room? You know. Uh, so I guess just for a, a little bit of a you know. Explanation on this. So, without talking barrel numbers, just talking percentages, um, it's about fifty percent of, of like we're we're small. Our numbers are going to be skewed, but about fifty percent of our production is sold in house, hmm. but it's eighty one percent of our revenue. Right, right. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, just to give you the, an idea of how important. Yes, the, the tap room. room is. I know because I know there's numbers. Years ago, someone said you had to do say ten thousand barrels just as a production brewery to even break even. I mean, there's crazy numbers. That's a lot of beer for sure. Sure. So we haven't brewed two th- ten thousand barrels total yet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys dump that down the drain. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, Kyle. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Enjoy those days, Kyle. Yeah. I will. <clears throat> All right, guys. This is cool. You know, it's nice. It's also you guys are very politically correct. You don't want to say anything bad about the other brewers. Well, we all like each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jimmy, can I tell you a little bit about the beer that we're drinking right now? Is that is that cool? I'm liking yeah. it. You, can, you can tell me if you don't want to oh. tell Jimmy. 
<laughs> well, I was really just hoping to tell Basil, but I mean, so. I'm listening. Um, this is uh, actually both. We brought two beers tonight. I don't know if we're going to get to both of them. Um, Kyle is, this is the point where Kyle's going to start telling long stories so we don't get to the second beer If you don't get brought. to the second one, I will take it off your hands. <laughs> Anywho, sure both of, both let's pop it while we do this. Okay, let's do it. Both, uh, oh, you are prominent. All right. Stop. Sabotage Kyle. So oh, both of these beers, um, they're both barrel-aged beers um, and are both now part of a, a a part of our portfolio that we sell called BQEs. Um, but they both started as ghost Opa. bottles, uh, which are beers that for a long, long time really essentially just were uh, existed for us to have fun, to be a little bit more creative, and to make things in a smaller batch way. So the first beer that we had was a beer called Kiwi's Playhouse. Uh, this is a tart barrel-aged sour. It actually, uh, um, I think... For the average listener, I would like to guess that everybody knows what a pallet is and how big a pallet is. Uh, but it took an entire, it took eight work days to peel an entire pallet of fresh kiwis um, by hand. Our barrel manager, Eric wow. Brown, used, um, actually it was a, a a sharpened spoon, much like some kind of shiv, um, that he he would cut the, the ends off of each of the of, uh each of the of the kiwis take the skin off, and then he pureed it um, on spot. Twenty six. Has anyone pounds. here ever uh, peeled a kiwi before? We've worked I with have. kiwis. Yeah. I've done, I've done like yeah. a ten gallon batch of kiwis. How are your hands even it after sucks. peeling I, those kiwis? I can't imagine what he does. Uh, it was. I don't. Sounds horrible. I don't think his hands are ever gonna be the same. Like I don't mean to be. It, this I'm like not dramatizing. And he's a, he comes from a he comes from the Coloring Institute of America. He's like I know. Yeah. There may or may not be a low level acid burn <laughs> that he'll have for the yeah. rest of his life. <laughs> so. In positive news, what the result was, was this really, um, I I find this beer to be really dazzling. Um, Oftentimes with fruit, and feel free to weigh in my brewing friends in the room, um, fruit, the amount of fruit in your beer, specifically barrel-aged beers, is always an issue. Too much, too little, how it's used. Um, And this is an incredible example of the power of wood. This uh, This beer is blended through, spent some time in actually both white wine barrels as well as red wine barrels. And it's just such an example of the power of cooperage, specifically wine barrels, the microflora, uh, the the power of place, the biological terroir of what makes this beer what it is, is is something that I've been really into this year. So. You know, one thing I like about it is a lot jelly, of the ghost jelly. bottles, I, I used to think that they were really, they were bigger or, or had like a one note, like a lees, but this is a brilliant beer. It is a brilliant beer. And this, this, this is a, this variation of it is sold in stores. Um, but uh, it had a ghost bottle variation that led up to it, um, much like um, what's now in people's glasses, which is the famous Brooklyn. Just kidding. That was a Black Ops joke of redacting my. <laughs> it's Brooklyn Black Ops. When we first started making Brooklyn Black Ops, um, we had a marketing ploy um, that uh, this beer did not exist. Uh, and I cannot tell you how many times I worked a beer festival and some like king level nerd would come up and be like, are you pouring Black Ops? And I would be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he and he would like, I'd let him go for a while. And then finally he'd be like, little girl. And I was like, okay, all right. The joke's on you, buddy. I know, uh, yes, we make this beer. Um, so Brooklyn Black Ops is a, a beautiful imperial stout aged in predominantly Woodford barrels. Uh, both of these beers are actually really great examples of kind of where our barrel aging program is now um, and that we're moving more in a place of having enough enough liquid in barrels that we can start to blend uh, and we can start to blend oh, yeah. in larger larger fashions um, or I'm sorry uh, like larger batch and this is what you guys are doing in Williamsburg so facility we, or you have other places for blending and- if it existed that's where you'd be doing <laughs> it yeah exactly <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. so we have a facility actually in the Navy Yard um, where we store uh, it's our barrel house essentially um, that can hold up to 2,000 barrels we don't generally keep it chock full um, but we generally have about a half to two thirds of that um, is full. We also have, we call it the library um, in our warehouse in uh, in Williamsburg, where we keep basically a set of everything that is in the barrel facility in the Navy Yard. We keep a set there. That's the next movie, Ocean 13. The women go in and steal all the barrels, <laughs> right? I, mean, I want to give a shout out. Yeah. Uh, just, Gabe, what college did you go to? Oh, Jimmy, I know you know the answer to this, but I went to Antioch, baby. <laughs> I want to say that there's a value of a liberal arts education, and and I'm really proud of you. You've been able to do so many jobs and grown so much. But parents out there, Gabe, where'd you go to school again? Um, I went to Antioch College. That's right, Antioch. Thanks, Jimmy. You got a liberal arts mind here. All right. <laughs> so uh, we're taking. We'll get more to say now. Kyle, you get in, man. What what were you going to say? This is crazy talk. We got Garrett Oliver's ghost bottles and. 
there's, there's, there, his team can actually talk about it. That was their thing when, when you must be someone like Garrett Oliver, who was like so ahead of the curve. You know, I feel like who did he get to talk to? He had to talk to like a writer in England, you know. But I feel like now you guys really have like a base of people in New York City that can talk about beer. And, I, and I'm meeting guys working at like beer table who are, who are coming up and they're beer buyers and some of them studied science. And the, the level of knowledge of beer is really great. I don't know if you see that. You know, that's, I mean, bring it back to tonight's topic. You know, that is one of the things that the Guild really focuses on is, you know, kind of the sharing of, of that knowledge. And uh, we, you know, we meet monthly, but we also, uh, you know, have what we call industry night where anybody who works for a brewery in, in, in New York City is welcome to come and a different brewery hosts. And, and kind of, it's a networking night, but it's also kind of a sharing of ideas and, and, um, kind of the friendships that grow out of that, uh, you know, kind of lend themselves nicely to collaboration. Not not, not necessarily in, in beers, you know, that happens pretty often too, but in ideas and and resources. And you know, it's not uncommon for one brewery to reach out to another, say, you know, who you know has experience in you know barrel aging or or whatever. Uh, you know, or, you know, or I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm not getting as much, uh, you know, of the notes I want when I'm dry hopping. You know, what, what are you doing? So, How are you what's doing something it? you want to know at your next industry night? What's something you'd like to know from another brewer? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot I want to know. I, I probably don't know more than I do, Jimmy. So it's, uh, it, it's always, uh, you know, great. And uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn's here. You know, Garrett, you know, shows up. Uh, Steve showed up at a meeting two months ago. <laughs> yeah, he did. That was awesome. You know, I. I I love I that, that you know that, that, that you know uh, people like that still show up and and, and often you know, we can feel really small you know because because we are you know in, in terms of our production compared to you know somebody like like a Brooklyn Brewery but we're we're treated you know on an equal uh, plane when we started we were making ten gallon batches yeah. I forget about ten barrel batches and that was probably the coolest thing for us is I remember the, we, the first time I got one case of it was like your carrot beer. And I and I, I actually made a IPA. night of it. You came in large bottles, seven fifties, and I actually decided to pour it by the glass. Yeah, it's uh, but you know, see, going back That's to special. that time, uh, it was it was great, and uh, you know, people you know treated us like equals, and you know, were just as you know willing to share ideas and, and knowledge with us at that point. They could have laughed us out of the room, and, and, and maybe rightfully so, but uh, that's not how this industry works, and it's certainly not how New York City. Uh, has worked since you know since we've become a brewery. All right, and, and what's this last beer? Is this really Black Ops? I feel like I want Kyle to talk about it's it because certainly I feel, yeah. Black Ops. It's we're not bringing some crazy secret beer in here. So I'm gonna let Gabe actually talk about the beer because I can't be in but, her presence without letting her speak. But is this but Black Ops? It is Black Ops. It, it is Black Ops. Cheers to that. Yes, it's cheers. Tenth anniversary. All right, bravo. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, woo. Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got a room full of beer fans here. We got let's go around one more time. Everybody introduce themselves again, and we and we also have our come on Grace, come on, and we've got yeah, our so buddy. We, I was just thinking we got to get Grace yeah. in the mix here. Grace, introduce come on, Grace. yourself. Hey guys, my name is Grace Grace Whites. Um, I'm a writer for Hop Culture. We're an online beer magazine. You're also an NYU food studies yes, grad student. Yes, I'm also a graduate student as well. I moonlight as a graduate student. Yeah, so welcome in. We're going to talk to you more about things tonight. And hold on one second. Um, Grace also was responsible for the majority of <laughs> the right. PR and social media of New York City Beer Week last year. I just want to say that. And over to you, guys. And she did a hell of a job, by the way. <laughs> she did do a hell of a job. Yeah, more Woo! applause. More. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're continuing with introductions again. Uh, well, Kyle, Kyle Hurst, Big Alice Brewing Company. Hey, I'm still Miss Gabe from the Brooklyn Brewery. Still Katie Lynch, also Brooklyn Brewery. Bay's face from Finback Brewery. <laughs> Bay's nice. face killer! <laughs> so Grace, now we got Grace. Grace White, so um, you've been sitting through the show. Do you have any questions for these kids? Uh, 
uh, what beer is next that we're drinking. All right, good one. <laughs> That's a nice segue. Well Kyle. done, Grace. All right, so um, in staying with uh, the barrel aged theme, this isn't a barrel aged beer, the one I brought. However, in staying with that theme, yeah. However, the beer that we are pouring right now uh, is uh, actually currently in Lafroy barrels. Uh, is it? No, right. Tell us what it is. <laughs> right. So, uh, so this is called Sleep Now in the Fire. It is a smoked porter. Uh, so, a couple of uh, roasted malts, uh, smoked malts, oh, beechwood. Uh, checks in at about seven percent, just over. Um, and we, so this beer is actually being released tomorrow. Uh, so, for the uh, untappers out there, uh, doesn't exist until tomorrow. Kind of, not not unlike, but Black may, Ops. maybe uh, our but it will actually. Exist. Ethan from our untapped guy might be doing this tomorrow. So. All right. Well, hopefully we've already <laughs> built it in, so it's not uh, going in blind. That's always a fun one. But um, yeah, so uh, so this beer actually uh, we pulled a couple of uh, kegs, so we have it on uh, draft in our tap room starting tomorrow. But the rest of it went into uh, two Lafroig Scotch barrels that we we're able to uh, to get and. Uh, we'll have that come out in a special body release uh, in the next couple of months. Now, I want to ask you a lot of things, Kyle, but I want to get back to the, the big idea of the show, the, you know, the, the, the Brewers Guild itself. You know, how do you guys feel now, now that you have, like, your, your, you've got over 30 breweries in New York City, you know, definitely a lot, a lot of the good places want to pour all your stuff. Um, what do you think is needed from bars and restaurants now? Do you feel like that they're... They're pouring to your specifications, draft systems, quality controls, you know, education. Do you feel like that the the, the, the bars and restaurants in New York City are keeping up with what you guys are doing? Um, I So I would have to say, um, I think that I, I kind of wanted to chime in and, and elaborate when Kyle mentioned industry <clears throat> nights. Um, I think of, of all the things that... Um, Yes, New York City Brewers Guild meetings are riveting. Um, but I, I, I think a lot of what happens with industry nights and a lot of what happens with the guild, the, the magic really happens at the industry night. Um, and I think what's needed right now between, let's use the language, retailers and suppliers, um, if we're going to use that language, um, I, I think that we need, we need bar owners and we need uh, uh, kind of what's happening on a retail side. Um, we need to kind of... Um, we need to figure out, honestly, how we can support them. And I think that that goes to a number of different levels. Um, a bar like like Jimmy's, a bar like the Blind Tiger, uh, it's going to be drastically different from a place like Spring Lounge, which is still very much a craft-forward beer. And then you shift over to some place like, say, Spite and Dival, and it's, again, another very different kind of craft bar. And I think as breweries start to... Uh, uh, move forward and think about not only the beers that we make, but the assets that we can produce and the, uh, if you can use the language of like auxiliary support. Um, I think these are some of the things that we can, we can start to help bars with education wise. Um, and then later down the line, we're all building, building towards a, a stronger cultural community across the board. Beer is a cultural sense of place. Um, and that doesn't stop at the brewery. That doesn't stop at the tasting room. It has to have the bar owner uh, to be involved in that completion of the equation. And, and kind of, you know, just looking at the beers we've had tonight, you know, um, to your point about line cleaning, um, you know, if, if you took, you know, Basil's uh, coconut coffee IPA, uh, and put it on a line, you know, that just had the black ops or the the, the smoke porter on it. You're going to get cross contamination of flavors there if you don't clean those lines in between. So the 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 beer that Basil and, and Finback created isn't going to be the beer experience in your glass at that bar. You know, it's going to be at their brewery and, and at, at bars that take the time to clean their lines. And and I don't know if that comes down to you know us as you know uh, the guild you know, trying to educate and promote that. Um, as, as much as it is, you know, some of that lies on the consumer that they need to understand, all right, so all of these beers are very different, but they're all tasting kind of the same. Maybe I need to talk to my, my bartender and, you know, and express that, you know, this doesn't taste right. I, I recently had uh, a, a, an IPA from a New York City brewery that uh, tasted like it had cinnamon on the rim because it was on a line that had a uh, fall beer, you know, a, a pumpkin spice beer right before yeah. it. It actually honestly makes me sometimes when I'm out, I want to get a can. Mm. And I had a friend yeah, from Germany because yeah. you know, in Germany they were really diehard about their, their quality and, and the draft and everything. And 20 years ago, he was like, he would only buy bottled beer in, in bars in New York City. There are still bars in New York City where I will not buy draft beer. And, and that's part of the problem. And that's part of our challenge. And that's what we you know, are, are embracing and, and looking to you know, educate and, and further that cause. And you know, that's just one component of it, but it's a very important one. I think, I think, that's, uh, I think actually 
generally speaking, I think quality is is definitely on the up and up. I think p- education and just awareness in general is is a lot better than it used to be. Um, you know, we we know people who do draft line cleaning. We've got you know companies like Draft Mechanics and all over the place that are really trying to a do the work and clean lines, but also kind of spread the message about what it means to have clean lines. I mean, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, on the consumer, I think kind of, you know, as you would assess anything else in terms of cleanliness at a restaurant or, or, or things like that, you know, kind of seeing how how the bar kind of cares and focuses on um, and, and, and how they take care on, on, on beer and whether the glasses are clean. I think you can kind of tell in some ways if a, if a place is clean, they may, if they're you know focused on I'll details. Tell you my secret. You know, yeah. I walk in and I can tell by the draft list. If the draft yeah. list has, like here at Roberta's, there's a Melvin IPA on and there's a special Brooklyn Brewery Roberta's Lager. When, when I see that they're taking the care to select the, those beers and have right. them on draft, yeah. which means they're rotating. Yeah, and five they, lines. Yeah. They know right. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Then I can say that probably they're also taking care of their of their system. But if I walk in and I see a lot of macros, and then someone throws on a couple craft brands, then I'm like, uh oh, I'm probably not going to even want to try those. There's drinks. also been a shift, Jimmy, where you know a year ago or, or more, you know, it was everything was kind of really bold and you know hop forward and kind of in your face. And everyone was really drunk. Well, that. yeah, and, and, and higher ABV. So now there's a shift to, to lower ABV beers and, and more more delicate flavors Is that because you're getting older, Kyle? No, I, I, I think our palates are all developing. That Gabe wanted to ask that. Yeah, it's, it's the gray. Jenny! Yeah. But, you know, but I think that's, you know, part of it is you can't mask a dirty line when you have beers, something like uh, like Basil's beer tonight. You know, there's there's more of that going on. There's, there's a lot of lighter beers and... and and things where, where there's kind of subtler notes of things, and you're not going to detect any of that on a dirty line. I would also say one more thing I think that's really important when you look at the equation of what a, a successful bar is or, or what how we can support the bar staff. Um, a happy bartender means more money for everybody. A happy bartender means that everyone's going to have a good time um, and empowering every bartender to know everything that they need about all of the beers that we're releasing into the market, making sure that we are, you know, being able to to make sure that um, not only quality and education is at the forefront, but empowering people that are serving our beers um, to be happy with serving them as well, because they're really a lot of the people that end up choosing what the average consumer is going to drink. That's great. This is really awesome. Let's just tell one more time the beers. So you guys brought from Broken Brewery what? We brought Kiwi's Playhouse, um, and then uh, just kidding, Black Ops. <laughs> Black Ops and. Uh, Basil, you guys brought. We brought Cosmic Vibration, was the which is the coffee coconut IPA, and we also have a couple other ones. Uh, we'll probably open. Let's um, pop them. Yeah, Let's Static Breeze is a triple <laughs> IPA with citrus. And Kyle, you guys. That sounds horrible. Big ass. I'll, I'll, I'll have one right now. Um, <laughs> we brought our our new uh, newly released as of tomorrow. Uh, you guys are all getting a sneak preview of the uh, Sleep Now in the Fire, our smoke porter. Uh, and I also brought uh, our winter seasonal, which is our peppermint stout, which is uh, also includes some New York State. Maple I just kept waiting for you to say date night, bro, because I was really hoping for some date, <laughs> date night. Date night, bro. bro, will be coming out in cans in a couple okay. weeks, so, so hang tight, hang tight. Let's pour the next, but but Kyle, now I'm going to ask you. So, you know, I feel like you are the dean in the room. You've been on the shows with us longer than most people here. Um, you you start as a ten gallon bar, you know brewery, and you guys actually have a tasting room a little bigger now. You know, what's going on for you? You know, you, 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 you have these great meetings. Um, your tasting room is rocking. Love your beer. You know, um, it's, it's been uh, an awesome journey, uh, I guess, to start. You know, the, the idea of having a brewery and a tasting room was never in our plans. When we started our, you know, when we started Big Alice, the idea was that we were brewing once a month together anyway. Uh, the laws, you know, were, were changed thanks to the Craft Beer Act and, and Governor Cuomo that made it easy to get a license. We're like, all right, let's just make twice as much, sell half of it, and have everybody else pay for our hobby. So we're just going to continue to brew, you know, uh, once a month like we had been, just double. And it, it takes about the same amount of time to make 10 gallons as it does five. Um, so, you know, that was the original plan. Um, since then, you know, we've expanded twice. Uh, we bought uh, some brewing equipment from a, a brew pub in Stanford, Connecticut couple years ago and then uh just this year we expanded to add you know 75 barrels we have five 15 barrel fermenters that that went in uh in january so we now have the capacity to brew 85 barrels at any one time which is how much we brewed our entire first year in existence (laughs) 
I told you, I remember. I had a fight to get one case of your well, carry. Well, you beer. know, we, we, I think our first year we distributed to three bars, uh, yours being one of them. So um, so we went from that to, you know, we never had enough beer, never had enough beer, uh, to now, you know, we're, 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 we're not big in, in any, you know, you know, capacity. But so now, the, the you know, as we're growing, we're, we're finding new challenges and, and looking at new markets and, and new ways to uh, bring our beer to, to more places. And that's, no, that's, kind of that's the, great. Cheers it's, to it's, it's uh, the, the good and the bad cheers. of it. Kyle and Big Al. And then Basil. So it's great to have you now on, on the board of the New York City Brewers Guild. You guys do so much for the industry. Uh, a couple items that you have in mind, vision that you have or... Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I think the 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 guild has been evolving, and I think that we're we're beginning to, I think, um, in some ways, not you know, not as a criticism of what the guild was, but I think that we're we're doing things that are more, um, all good things must evolve. Exactly yeah. right, and I think we're doing things that are you know responding to our needs now, and 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 the industry's changed so much. So I think our goals are really about, you know, how to make. Um, make it the guild a, a valuable asset, a valuable asset for all the brewers, but also kind of push our our mission in terms of uh, our relationship to consumers. You know, we want to make New York City a really great beer town, and and I think we're all working together to make that happen. Um, and we're you know whether it's education, whether it's sustainability issues with spent grain, or That's whether it's legislative issues, yeah. um, events. You know, I think that right now there it, it, there's not ever been a better time i think for the consumer in terms of craft beer there's more quality there's more variety there's more of everything you know you can go into tap rooms um you can go into tap rooms you can go uh really enjoy and have great uh beer experiences and i think with that as a kind of foundation or a background um there's so much more we can do and i think that that's where the guild is now which is to say that we finally are at a point where we can kind of exert some uh, or, or, or kind of use some of our resources to kind of see where is craft beer going to go in, 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 in the next, you know, decade or, you know, five, ten years. Two years. Yeah. You know, two <laughs> years, exactly. <laughs> it's exponential at this but point. But let's just a couple of things. When is New York City Beer Week? 2018. So New York City Beer Week is kicks off on February 24th. It's Saturday. That's an opening, uh, the opening bash celebration. We are doing things. We're going to have a, a, a great fest. We've got about 55 to 60 breweries. Um, it's going to be at the Brooklyn Expo Center. It's going to kick off a whole week of, of you know celebrating craft beer in the city. Um, we're and this year, in some ways, building off of our success last year. It's going to be highlighting as much New York City and New York State breweries as well as out-of-state breweries and really just bringing craft and the craft community um, into New York City. And, you know, things that you can't get, things that you might not be able to get all the time, things that you can get from breweries but that might be uh, special beers you don't get all the time. Um, and so really kind of making an event that's going to be, you know, I think trying to be a little different um, and in terms of, like, the programming and curation of the beers um, and, and then also just being a great fun so now festival. The, the, the week's growing. It's going to be a special time. Yeah, one of the things, Jimmy, uh, uh, just to top on that. So the one of the things the Guild is doing is we're curating an event, you know, that, that opening bash that Basil's talking about. We kick the day off with a family-friendly fermentation festival. So it starts Can you say that phrase again, please? Family-friendly <laughs> fermentation festival. You give me more black ops, I won't be able to say it. But um, So it's a place uh, where you can come in and, and you know, bring we're everybody... We're black ops out of the bottle. All, all, <laughs> all things uh, fermentation. Uh, I, I think every time I got a break from our table last year, I came back with something, uh, you know, sauerkraut, pickles, whatever, anything fermented. Uh, it was all about it, and it was awesome. Well, I like the direction. I like that you guys are talking about bringing in breweries from out of state as well. That that seems to be like you guys have started as the Brewers Guild, incubated the New York City breweries, and now, wow, you guys are owning. You know, New York City beer. And week. I That's think we're cool. very, I think that the Guild as a whole, um, and I, I, I know Grace wants to say something here, but I know that as the Guild as a whole this year, um, as Basil and Kyle and Jimmy, we've all said a lot of times over, the Guild's kind of in a bit of a, of a, of a cocoon phase, if you will. Um, I mentioned um, at the beginning of this that I serve as the marketing and communications chair for the Guild. Um, and a lot of what that has been this year is a lot of waiting. Um, and a lot of what that has been is a lot of looking at what has events done over the past couple years? Um, what do the retailers want? Um, where are we all at as an industry? And helping to use this this year as a bit of a barometer check um, and helping to, to, to kind of focus and and move with grace and with with uh, ideas and goals as opposed to just jumping and zigging and zagging um, and really thinking about who are we? 
what are we doing here? And letting our events lead us, and then maybe later down the line, um, we, we can have a little bit more of a focus. And Gabe, get, guess when uh, New York City Brewers' choice is next year? When is it, Jimmy? Wednesday, February 28th. Woo! hope that's okay with you guys. So. I'm good with that. Same thing, but as you guys. And Grace, Grace White's our special guest, NYU Food Studies grad, Hop Culture Magazine. Yeah, I think the, the Guild has a great mission. A lot of people come to New York, and they come to see things that tourists would like to do. They go to the Empire State Building. They go to the Statue of Liberty. They just stay in Manhattan, and they don't realize that there's this robust and energetic and dynamic brewing culture existing all across New York. And that's really, to me, when I was working with the Guild last year, that really became the purpose, you know, to kind of uncover... Uh, the brewing scene, not only for people that live here in New York, but also people that are coming and visiting because they'll they'll come and become one of those, you know, millions of tourists and just never even realize that there's this great, great culture of beer here. And that's what I see the Guild is really uncovering for people. Great. Let's all make a toast. And uh, how about uh, talk me off on this this latest Finback beer? Yeah, that's yeah. just freaking on point, base I didn't face. get any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likely story. So we can't even sum it up this show. <laughs> that Black Ops. New York City Brewers Guild, <laughs> Beer Week, New York City Brewers <laughs> Choice. And Grace also will be back in the future talking about a, a special Women's Brewers Festival for what, August 2018? Yeah, it's going to be in August 2018 from August 6th to August 12th. Um, we're putting on Hop Culture, we're putting on a Woman in Craft Beer Week. It's called Beers Without Beards. Um, there's a, a famous Although quote I know from some Plato. Women with beards. You, well, okay. So <laughs> well, it's Beer I, I Without there's the out There's the out in quotes. Yeah. So it's, it's inclusive of all people with beards or non-beards that like to drink beer. Um, but there's a famous quote from Plato. He says that uh, he was a wise man who invented beer, and not much, not many of us get to say this often, but Plato was actually wrong. It was women who actually were the first Woo! original brewers. That's uh, right, Grace. Yes, That's right. As far back as 6,000 BC. Um, but beyond just uh, celebrating women in, in who make beer, um, as these ladies to my left will attest, there are women who are selling beer, writing about beer, um, in the front offices, doing podcasts, you know, all kinds of things. And that's really the space that we're creating for all these women that are involved in beer, somewhere where they can cultivate, congregate, and just talk and enjoy beer. And that's awesome. And also, your buddies at Hop Culture, there's a festival coming up on December 3rd in New York City, Juicy Brew Juicy NYC. Brews. So, hopculture.com. Check it out. They're, they're, they're the new players on the scene. I said, <laughs> it's actually Juice. refreshing for me. I feel like that my, my big note is that I feel like beer media was getting weak. You know, it feels like there was a little less of interest. People were just talking about big, you know, macros taking over whatever craft. It's so great that Hop Culture's around. I'm glad that you're here, Grace, and thank you so much for reaching out. Big shout out. Everybody go around one more time. Kyle Kyle Hurst, Big Alice Brewing Company. Grace White's Hop Culture. Garrett Alton. No, I'm just kidding. Gabe Berry, Brooklyn (laughs) Brewery. Gabe Berry, no, just kidding. Katie Lynch, Brooklyn (laughs) Brewery. Basil. Finback Brewery. Basley, thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, engineer, David Tattashore. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.